0: What's the name of our podcast again? Uh, welcome to our next installment of Space Biff Bookspace. Today we're going to be talking about N.K. Jemisin's The Stone Sky. It is the third and last installment in the uh, Broken Earth Trilogy.
1: Yes, it is. Yes.
0: I'm your, as always, I'm your host, Somerset Winters. No one can see your face,
2: honey. Try monthly You're That's our host. That's cute, though. Somerset, Winters, <laughs> uh, This is Brock Polson. Hi.
1: And I am Dan Thoreau. No Hi, Dan. Hello. Hello. <laughs> how are you, Brock? I'm doing swell. How are you? I'm a little tired. Yeah. I That's always you. how I feel, though.
2: Ad- adulting. And you've got miles to go before you
1: sleep. Yeah, I do. I'm gonna make that... Make that snow yellow. <laughs> what? I
0: don't understand what that has to do with I
1: don't get it. I had a friend in junior high when you read that poem who re we had to like rewrite a poem and he wrote it like I fill the woods with yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was very much a junior high kid <laughs> version of Robert Frost's wow. classic poem. Wow. Yeah. Um That's Robert Frost, right? I, Someone's like, that's Yeats, ass. I don't, I don't know. know.
0: It's I probably have... Robert I'm Frost. I'm pretty sure it's Robert I Frost.
2: I have only that snippet in my head, so.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> um Okay. What do we do first? Summer, how are you? Oh, I'm grand. Just oh, okay. grand.
1: Uh Yeah. She's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have
2: confirmation.
0: Mostly good.
1: Yep.
0: So, what do we do first? <laughs> I should have written this what down. You,
1: what do you want to do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys don't even know. I think we do we wrong do spoilers.
1: A, you know, wrong, yeah, wrong spoilers, then oh, the synopsis, okay. then bad takes.
0: Okay, maybe discussion. I should write this down. <laughs>
1: wrong.
0: We do, like, three segments. That's, like, seven. Yeah.
1: But who could keep them in order? <laughs> Oh, boy.
0: Well, let's begin our discussion of (laughs) Miss Jemison's book with some wrong spoilers. All right. Take it away.
2: These are going to blow the lid off of this thing. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) That means I'm not going to understand them.
2: about, About halfway through the stone sky, it is revealed to be a long and tedious backstory for a reboot of The Thing from Marvel's Fantastic Four. Because he's a rock man.
1: I don't
0: know what that is. <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh,
2: some alternate titles that were considered <laughs> okay. for the Stone Sky. Uh, Nassan and the Very Big Rocks. Uh, Rock Wizards 3, Rock Wizards
1: versus the Volcano.
0: I mean, it kind of... Yeah.
1: Kind of... That's a pretty accurate spoiler. <laughs> Rock Wizards
0: versus the Volcano. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, did you know that this was originally pitched as a heist book? <laughs> uh, a sort of the Italian jobelisk. Uh,
0: well, right. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> or,
2: or maybe you prefer Essence 11.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that one's pretty good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> <laughs> getting ready. Here comes some more.
2: Uh, the stone you, have sky, more. you know here here's a wrong spoiler the stone sky is it's the perfect opportunity to just jump right to the last book in a trilogy uh you know as a matter of fact just read the last hundred pages or so <laughs> you totally won't be lost
0: i, I was lost
2: and then f- the final wrong spoiler uh this is a pretty big get. Uh, Pauline Armstrong called this book incredible, one of the best ever written. <laughs> she, Who, she's a who's famous, that? She's a famous rock collector. <laughs> oh. I Googled famous rock
1: collectors. They dig this book. Uh, they dig this uh, book. Uh, that was a good one. They dig this
0: book. <laughs> <laughs> Very good.
1: Wow. Uh, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I
0: think you did. <laughs> I'm,
1: I am neither quick-witted in that way nor inclined to that form of humor. Uh, well, it suits um, you. It fits you <laughs> like a, uh, an old tuxedo.
0: All right. Thank you, Brock. That <laughs> was yeah. lovely. It was
2: my absolute
1: pleasure.
0: Let's Let's move on to the real synopsis. Let's hear about...
1: So at this point... This book. There will be spoilers. Here be spoilers. Big ones. Thorough.
0: You've been warned.
1: Total spoilers. I can't say here be dragons because with what our subject matter is, that might be a spoiler. Yeah, sometimes
2: <gasps> that might be a spoiler. Yeah. yeah. So uh, here comes a little something I like to call a stone synopsis.:
1: oh my goodness
0: you, wow <laughs>
1: we can tell really that we uh, really on
0: a roll tonight we can tell that,
1: <laughs> that we're fans of the quarter to three yeah, movie that'll podcast. be the only time that happens probably <laughs> uh,
2: you are in a coma Ho- Hoa tells you this it's been Hoa telling you things all along at least when you is the second person protagonist Essence and not the actual you of your larger human existence. I don't know who tells you things otherwise. (coughs) You, Essen, is in a coma. Hoa used to be someone else, used to live in a world called Silanagist. It was a utopia with efficient energy sources and matter displacement technology, all of it powered by a network of obelisks rooted to the planet's core. Hoa once ended the world. The world of sin of Sil Anagist. In any case, he opened the gate, banished the moon, scattered the obelisks. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The effort of turning an entire calm to stone was too great for Essen, and she has been unconscious for days. Her efforts rendered the settlement of Kastruma unlivable, so they have had to, uh, so they have had to flee, carrying their supplies and any comatose members with them. <laughs> Yu emerges from the coma and discovers she's gained a bit of weight while comatose, specifically in her arm, which has turned to stone. But not to worry, Hoa helps her tidy it right up by eating it. <laughs> Ow. Many residents of Kastruma are pissed about being suddenly homeless, but there's good news. <clears throat> a whole Holcom recently became deceased, and all their <laughs> stuff is up for grabs. It's a short, several-week walk away through Ash Falls and volcanic strangeness they come to an area of unusual obsidian structures which essen identifies as lava eruptions solidified in midair it must she discerns be the work of a powerful origin.
0: i think she cesses it
2: yes oh thank (laughs) you she cesses uh to quote dan's favorite line from star wars there are traps ahead Meanwhile, meanwhile
0: Nassan
1: <laughs> and her ragtag That's, group. Is That's, that from Star
2: Wars? <laughs> that is from Dan's <laughs> understanding of
1: Star Wars. <laughs> I want to talk about Star Wars later. <laughs> okay. There's traps okay, in okay, Like my half-understood Star Wars in relation to this okay, story. Okay, excellent.
0: Interesting.
2: Uh, meanwhile, Nassan and her ragtag group are going to split up. Uh, Shafa will stay with Nassen, but they're... The rest of the adolescent and pubescent orogenes are going to look for comms to take them in. It won't be easy, warns Shafa, and there's a chance you'll have to kill them all. Anyway, good luck, kids. We're going to walk <laughs> across the planet looking have for fun. a city that might exist. <laughs> Suddenly, we're learning about Hoa again. Sil Anagist, his utopian civilization so many years ago, was quite similar to the Fulcrum. They kept magic adepts referred to, at least by Hoa, as tuners for their skills, but control and heavily monitor them. Their goal is to focus the energy of the planet, to harness it as a source of infinite energy. Hoa had friends there, other tuners. Uh, Kalenli is among them, the most talented. She convinced their keepers to let them all go on a field trip, assuring them it would help the rest of them hone their skills. But then, a trap is sprung. Essence, calm, fights them off without much trouble. They are desperate, attacking, even knowing they are outmatched and have no hope of winning. But among their ranks, Essence sesses an origin. She follows the feeling and reconnects with a childhood friend, Maxix, or Arkeet, a person I definitely remember from a previous book or books, and whose name I am definitely saying correctly. <laughs> Essence says it's possible Kastrima will take them in. But knows it's likely a hollow promise. Smash Cut. Nasin and Shafa are on a <laughs> long walk through a weird and threatening forest on top of an underground dead sieve ruin. When they make it through the forest, they find a metal curly cue, and I consider that curly cue is a strange word that has no place in a serious fantasy novel such as this one. <laughs> <laughs> Was it really, of, really in there? <laughs> yes, it really is. <laughs> Regardless of my protests, Shafa touches the curly cue, revealing a doorway into the dead sieve.
0: Now I want some curly fries.
2: <laughs> those are those right. are later in the book. Oh, okay. His own calm warrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Hoa's field trip took him and his fellow tuners to an ancient place from back when construction used concrete, symmetry, and ninety-degree angles like a bunch of barbarians. <laughs> Kalenli shows them something wholly extraordinary in this ancient place. A plutonic engine, one of the energy devices they're trained to work with. But this one is remarkable. In addition to being beautiful, it is impossible. It is somehow giving out more energy than it takes in. Their people, for all their technological advances, would be incapable of creating something like this. Poe asked Glenly the only question he can think to. Who? She answers cryptically, you. We cut back to Essen. Yika doesn't exactly welcome Maxix and his band of miscreants, but she also doesn't execute them, so we'll call it a win. Uh, Essen loses a boob. Not like misplaces a <laughs> Her use of erogeny during the ambush turned part of her to stone, and she was able to choose a breast as opposed to her other arm or a
1: foot or something.
2: Would Hoa you call that
1: it. erogenous orogeny? It
0: certainly <laughs> no. Was. Uh, no. Especially well, maybe because it,
1: maybe if you're a
2: stone eater. Hoa, they're into that. And Hoa eats it, and it is kind of yep. strange. Uh at her request.
0: <laughs> yeah, Hoa, but she talks about it as like breastfeeding. She's like, I'm glad I could bring someone else some nutrition. So I would not call that erogenous.
1: Well, it just depends what gets you there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Uh, At her request, Hoa takes Essen to where Jija died. They plunge through the earth together and emerge in the calm where his pebbly remains still lie. A racist janitor mistakes Essen for a guardian and gives her a bunch of exposition. (laughs) Essen feels like a real turd of a parent, finding out Nassin has bonded with Shafa, and Hoa comforts her by saying he'll never die. Speaking of Nassan, she's underground. The stairs leading to the dead civ are long, long enough to take a break and have a chat about genocide. <laughs> <laughs> they, re-
1: they reach an opening. As one does. <laughs> right. On monster
2: walks. Uh, they reach an opening, and Nassan reasons the old city was actually built in a crater. Then another volcanic eruption happened, but all the lava went up and over the city, leaving it intact, but covering it up. It's weird stuff, and it could only have been done by a very powerful origin. Searching deeper below, Nassan senses another city, one that was wood and plants and living things like Hoa's City so long ago. Steel is there, being evil. He tells Nassan to power up the transportation system, he'll take care of the rest. Farther into the caverns, Nassan and Shafa find the source of the lava flow that killed the whole city. Long ago, an obelisk plunged to the earth, piercing the surface and causing the rupture. Shafa is all, are you sure you want to listen to steal and destroy the world? And Nassan's all, yep. And Shafa's all, okay, you're the boss. So Nassan uses (laughs) her magic to hold a plant and call them all a cab. Back in the past, Kalenli tells the Tuners of the past of their origins. They are made in the image of a people, the Nis, who were hated, conquered and scattered. A people whose skill with magic enabled them to create beautiful engines that defied what was previously thought about energy and magic. The people of Sil Anagist couldn't bear to think of the Nis as people. And eventually wiped them from the planet. Then they created the tuners, engineered versions of the niece, to prove to themselves a fiction about the niece's inhumanity. Kalenli tells Hoa all of this, wanting to preserve the truth, the history of a people who were not actually their own, and she's going to take them to see the niece. Back with the Castroma folks. The desert is an unpleasant place. They have to walk across it to get to Renanis, uh, and also Essen and Lerna totally hooked up. But the desert. It's bad, and people die. <laughs> Meanwhile, underground, Nassin <laughs> and Shafa board their trolley. It's a living being, they discover, and also it speaks a language that Shafa understands. The vehamol, as they call it, vehicle animal, takes them through the planet, and Nassan realizes they are drawing closer to the core, to the heart of the planet, to Father Earth. The planet hates her and wants her dead. She hates the planet. The core of the planet turns out to be too much concentrated magic for Shafa to handle. Just as they reach core point, their destination, Shafa slips into something like a coma. He is gone, and Nassan fears he may never come back. Back in the past, Hoa and his fellow tuners are told the time has come. The machine is ready to be activated to power the world. They are shown, horribly, what happens to tuners who cannot serve effectively. They are wired into the network, essentially their magic is still put to use, in much the same way uncontrollable orogenes will one day be lobotomized and relegated to nodes. Thousands, millions of Hoa's kind are attached to this living network of vines. Speaking of such cruelty, Essun and her people reach a node station. They kill the guards and take their supplies before a nice shower and nap. Oh and by the way it seems like Essen is pregnant. The moon is a few days away and so is Reninus. They reach the ladder quickly and find that its residents were turned to stone very quickly mid-meal, mid-coitus, but they've lived in worse places, so they settle in. <laughs> and Essen ponders her next journey, which will take her through the earth and to Corepoint to finally find her daughter. Nasin, meanwhile, is making the best of her new digs in Corepoint. The beds and appliances are magic, so at least she's eating and sleeping well. Shafa is not doing so well, and Steele tells Nassen that she can use the obelisks, their power together, to heal Shafa. All it will cost is the lives of everyone else on the planet. Back in the past, Hoa did it. Mm. Well, Hoa and his tuner friends, a long time ago, they took they all took a trip to the moon, and instead of turning on their nigh-infinite Earth battery, they shot the moon with a giant frickin' laser beam and sent it blasting off into space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The energy turned them all into stone eaters, and somehow they made it back to Earth. Back in now times. As asteroids. Oh, yeah. Back in now times, Essen is going to make the journey through the planet to Core Point, but where once she traveled alone, drifting from place to place, friendless and angry, now she has a half dozen friends to join her on the journey. In the Earth's mantle, they're attacked. Hoa dodges, and Essen fights back with magic, but it's not enough. Their party arrives in Core Point, one member weaker. Lerno was lost in the journey. A whole bunch of stuff starts to happen. Now, suddenly Shafa is up and running around, only it's not the lovable Shafa who Nasun knows. This one calls her little enemy, and then promptly gets his little metal shard removed. It frees him from pain, but Nasun sees that it has undone whatever magic gave him a lifespan of several millennia. He's going to die likely very soon. Which makes him different from the rest of the guardians, all tucked underground in their little guardian beds, but we'll get to that. Essen and Nasan are reunited at last. They don't have time for hugs and reminiscing because they both want to get their hands on that obelisk network. A battle of wills ensues, the likes of which any parent can relate to. <laughs> you just want to return the world to some semblance of order and safety, but your kid wants to harness godlike power to turn everyone on the planet to rock people.
0: Uh, <laughs> annoying. Ugh, so relatable. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Bedtime,
2: right? In the process of <laughs> gathering power, uh, there's a lot of talk of networks and keys and back doors, and it's very exciting. And I imagine it as being very loud. Essen senses a few thousand guardians with their brain magics just sitting around, and she borrows a bit. Oops, they all died.: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh darn.:
2: You know it's fiction because at some point Nassen decides her mom is right and gives up the godlike power. <laughs> Essen catches the moon, and in the process, the transformation of her body is completed. Essen becomes a stone eater, and we discover that, that Hoa has been telling her, telling us, all these things to help fill in Essen's memories, now that she's a rock lady. Even the part about the oily clocks. Hoa included that, <laughs> because it's so important.
0: Wait, What? <laughs> Are we still referring back the to the episode. emperor? So,
1: it, yeah, he is referring to the, em- the goblin emperor. Yeah. But he's also referring to the first book where Cock on Oily Clock. Yes. The, the random weird sex where scene. Where there was
2: just a sex scene.
0: Um, and now we know uh, that Hoa was telling Essen
2: about that sex scene in vivid detail.
1: He was like, then you had great sex. And he's <laughs> like, let, let me tell you about
2: it. Let me tell you about just one time.
1: This one time you had great sex, and I was watching from the mountain.
2: One particular time. Uh, because it's so oh important, boy. she's still the same old Essen, and now she gets to eat rocks with her old buddy Alabaster. The end.
0: Very good. Thank you. Boy. I enjoyed that.
2: Boy, good.
0: Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. That's a long book.
2: There's a lot of stuff going on.
0: <clears throat> well, let's see what people are saying about about this so i looked up some of the two and three star reviews the one star reviews were useless so
2: (laughs) that's that's unusual they're usually so uh, information rich yeah
0: Yeah. eloquent yeah yeah so here is area diet (laughs) here here's a three three out of five stars this person said good closure but hard to get through all that magic slash origin details and long, long descriptions, some editing would have been appreciated. Each book was longer and less tight than the previous. What do you guys think about that? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of like the I end of those as Harry Potter well. books, too. They got longer and longer. Yeah, like 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 who the was the editor for as this? As J.K. Rowling Nobody? became
1: more famous and more celebrated, no one <clears throat> dared to edit her. Yeah. Oh, she, she could just go on rants and...
2: Uh, talk so, about wizards pooping in the castle. and Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs>
2: you
1: didn't hear about that? Brock will tell, you, tell us.
0: So uh,
2: I guess in in Joe's fictional account of the history of Hogwarts, they only got indoor plumbing in like the late 1800s. <laughs> and before that, they would, just, they would just go anywhere and then just disappear it.
0: What bunches. in the world? So
1: that means that there were a bunch of wizards shitting their pants. <laughs> and then
0: just,
2: uh, you know, just uh o riparo. And just I mean, tidy
1: it right up. I mean, as Brock would know, there is a certain unmitigated joy to shatting oneself. Pupiro!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's oh my it's
1: goodness. That... In fact. <laughs> wow. Pupiro
0: disappear.
1: Well, oh, babies <laughs> like it. Okay, so I'll say this. I. I wouldn't say that I didn't like this book. I wouldn't say that at all. Mm -hmm. I I really liked it. But Mm -hmm. it's definitely three of three for me. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Last place. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: And there were times where, especially certain sections that we'll talk about when we do the discussion, that I was just like, all right, let's get back to something else.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, so here's the next. Here's the next three out of five stars. I really enjoyed the first two books, but this final installment was a little underwhelming. Worth reading to finish the trilogy, but not the greatest thing I have ever read.
1: Uh, no, I, I still think it's quite good.
0: I don't know if I was underwhelmed. I thought that was a good ending.
1: I think that it. I think it ended it as well as i can imagine this story ending. So i no. don't know what that complaint is.
0: There were a lot of reviews that said like these lower star rating ones that said underwhelming ending.
1: So maybe part of that is i do think oh i'm going to i'm going to criticize my betters. I don't think NK Jemisin is very good at writing action.
0: Mhm.
1: But that's not why i'm reading this book, right. mm-hmm. but but there were certain scenes that kind of felt a little more actiony, that I was just kind of. Eh. Um, I don't think I completely agree. Uh, I,
2: I I thought the action was was well written. I th- I think that the the final scene maybe is pretty difficult to parse because it's just sort of a, a cacophony of. Stones and networks and.
0: I mean the final major scene between sure, Nas yeah. and Essen, yeah. Yeah,
2: the, you know sort of that climax of of uh, the the obelisk network. I think that was not uh, it, it was it was nigh incomprehensible. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: well, well, it's a type of action scene. I mean, it's a magic on magic, CGI. Power of wills. <laughs> sure,
2: you know you you. You can I mean, I guess going back to Harry Potter, the wands crashing into each other, and yeah, that's not interesting to, <laughs> to, to write that down it it looks very neat, but there's nothing particularly
1: well uh, i think I think there are some authors who are really good at making action scenes um I, I just don't think NK Jemison is that. I throughout even in the first book, scenes that were supposed to be a little more actiony. There, there's one big exception. I really liked the way she wrote the invasion of like the pirate island early on, mm. See uh, at near the end of the first book. Mm-hmm. And that um, is
2: where my mind went, as far but, as action scenes. Yeah, I think
1: that one is well. But every other action scene in it, I. In, in all three books, other than that action scene, I've been kind of, eh, kind of lukewarm. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, I am thinking very specifically of the ending. Um, but again, I, I, that's not why I'm reading these books. I'm reading these books to read about the world, and I'm reading it uh, to explore the character motivations. So I wouldn't call it underwhelming if, if you're looking for the right thing out of it. Right.
0: <clears throat> okay, here's the next one. This one kind of goes on for a while, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, this person feels like this book suffers from a problem common to fantasy books that keeps me from meeting more of the genre. Agathy, Agatha Christie described it very well in The Contest of Murder. Uh, she spelled this "Who whodunit books, but I'm sure she meant whodunit.
1: Well, I mean, I know who do it. It, it, it was House like Carino. Uh, hello.
0: Shai Halud Shai Halud,
1: the old man of the desert. Of <laughs> course that's Hatterack.
0: So apparently this is what this person is saying. Agatha Christie said the reader must always feel like they are playing with a full deck of cards, as in the author should not should never solve the mystery by introducing a new character or motivation never before mentioned in the book an ace up the author's sleeve. And she said, fantasy feels like this all the time. Magic, this erogeny, then there's, um, when orogeny is enough, then there's new magic. And I would, th- you know, I, th- I thought maybe she was talking about that earth was suddenly this new entity that uh, Dan felt was kind of like a surprise at the end of, at the near the middle or end of this book. You know, he hadn't realized that the Earth was sentient.
1: That's one of my discussion topics.
0: So, <clears throat> I mean, what, out. what do you guys? What do you guys think about that? You feel like she just kind of d- made magic that, a Deus Ex Machina?
2: I I think that's a. I just think it doesn't apply. You know, I think you you. You get different things out of a mystery book versus a, a fantasy book, mm-hmm. and I do think sometimes. You know, big revelations like that are. Uh, are necessary and don't detract from the story
1: yeah i i I think go ahead no you go ahead
0: i was going to say i think you know in terms of the earth being this sentient being to me it was like oh well yeah that all makes sense now like and i think back on the previous story and i'm like oh yeah of course the earth was mad because the moon is gone and that was its child and you know it kind of hints at that throughout the beginning of the oh, stories, it even, and it's it like it even
1: says it literally. Yeah, it's just hard to we yes. anthropomorphize so many things in language mm-hmm. that when hard they to said tell it. That it was yeah, realistic. when they said it literally, I was never like, oh, well, yeah, the Earth is pissed. Yeah, I
0: right.
1: thought maybe like without the moon, like tidal stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. the force of the Earth's spin wasn't as stable. You know, stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought it
1: was metaphorical. So I mean, both
0: were true. It's that those things would cause right. these problems with the Earth and earthquakes and things like that, <clears throat> without having a, the moon in the sky. But also that that was the Earth's child.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the way I would think, so I mean, the whole would thing became, like it.
0: it's all parenthood. It's all about parenting and well, not all, but that's one well, of the. Well, I things. think that's
1: definitely a motif. Right. But like a way I would put it is, I thought they were talking about the evil earth and losing the child, the moon. I thought they were discussing it in the sense that we would say, like if somebody dumb dies and you're like, Oh, Darwin, you're, and you're referring to something real, right? Like this idea there, there, there is this real world concept that like the, the weak are rooted out in nature, but you're, you're not talking about like a literal force that has like an intent. Darwin that's how spirit. I, yeah, like, like right. that. There's this like Darwinism spirit or uh, competition of fitness spirit that's mm-hmm. making it happen. It's just mm-hmm. something that's incidental, and that's what I. That's how I was reading.
0: Yeah,
1: Father Earth. Yeah,
0: so I, uh, yeah, I, I. But
1: I, I agree one hundred percent with you, Brock. Like when I read a, a murder mystery or any type of mystery, I'm looking to solve it. Yeah, before that's the whole fun of reading it
0: yeah this isn't um, like a this isn't a mystery
1: who right. thing <laughs> i i read a i i do absolutely no intentional trying to think ahead in a fantasy or science fiction book
0: mm-hmm.
1: none which is one of the reasons why it's so disappointing in a book like six wakes when I feel like the solution ends up being kind of obvious
0: mm-hmm.
1: um because it means the, the answer was so obvious that even not trying to figure it out, <laughs> I kind of thought about parts of it. You arrived at it, yeah. Yeah. It looks like we have one more. Are you...
0: Mm, I think we can be done. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep, we can be done. Oh, that's right. I'm hosting. <clears throat> so those were the bad takes. Let's move on to the actual discussion of the book. So since Take it away, Dan.
1: Thank you, Summer. Um, so since we've already been talking about this moon uh, thing, so the, that it's this literal Gaia theory, right? That the, that the earth is sentient, that it's, a, it's more than just uh, systems keeping each other in balance, that there's actually this big ball of rock in the middle of the earth that feels very badly when its child is killed. Uh, or banished or whatever. So do we
0: feel the moon was alive at one point or that it really is just kind of a hunk of rock that it's like, oh, my child.
1: Well, I think it, I think it's saying that all planets are alive Hmm. and that the moon, it like split off from the earth and in maybe one day in a quadrillion years, it'll sprout a seedling too. I don't know. Hmm. (laughs) Um, so did you guys, so I, I didn't guess it until they went through the earth's core and um and for me it was this holy smokes type <laughs> moment um so i have a couple of questions first did you guess it um how early did you suspect that it was this literal being with actual agency and intent and also how did you feel about it
0: i i wouldn't say that i well okay so i guessed it but i did that was the, like the confirmation because when we first hear about Shafa being like drawn to warrant and that there's no other like people around but he like gets put in this machine and it works and he's like upside down and he gets this stone sliver in his head and there's no other people around when it happens and that's like his memory of how he became a guardian I was like well maybe it's the earth directing that like making his agents, because we know the guardians are agents of the earth.
1: Sort of. I mean, they're not, unless they're corrupted. Right? Well, but
0: they're they like they're all fighting against it, but that was like the original intent. Yeah. Of the Earth making guardians.
1: Yeah, like the Earth's fragmentation bomb
0: because the on the moon because base. the original origins were the stone eater people, right? And so he well, made Well, the these descendants
1: of Kalenli, they weren't stone eaters. <laughs> Did you
0: well, hear I know, that, but that but that's what I—but that's what I'm saying is that those original people were had orogeny magic, and so that was the Earth's defense against them, was making the guardians. Yeah. In the beginning. Okay. So do you guys? So do you guys disagree that that? Was the original intent of the Guardians? Because I think it was. No, I just... And that's where I started to guess that that that's where...
1: No, I don't disagree. I just... I think think the Guardian intended to have Guardians be his agents, but it just didn't work all the way.
0: That the Earth intended. Yeah. Yeah. You said Mm. the Guardian intended the Guardians. Yeah. So So So, Father
1: Earth intended his shrapnel bomb to turn them into his agents. Yeah. And it didn't quite work all the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: But it worked reasonably well. Uh... So I think in this case... Well, they're, they,
1: they're still doing their function, right? Yeah. Because they they're were... are
0: keeping the origins under well, control. Well, because
1: originally they were the overseers of the Tuners, and now they're the overseers of origins. So it's mm-hmm. almost incidental. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Brock.
2: Well, I was going to say, I think in this case, my, uh, my obtuseness sort of uh, looped back around into cleverness. Because I, <laughs> this whole time, have understood it to be that, yes, the Earth is a, is a sentient being... Mm. And oh man, the God. moon was its actual child, but <laughs> it's because I just didn't metaf- you know, I didn't metaphorize it. <laughs> I didn't take it as as uh, just um, colorful language, you know, anthropomorphizing. Mm. I was just like, well, yeah, <coughs> like in this crazy world where magic is yeah, the earth is <laughs> the earth is a being, and the moon is its sweet little baby, and it's sad. Uh, so, Bad. I, it's but mad,
0: But I, but I think wow. that I,
2: yeah, I mean, it's mad. That's, that's true. Uh, yeah, so I think I sort of had that understanding for a while now.
0: Mm.
1: So I'm the dumb one.
0: Take that, honey I, pants. I
1: guess so. <laughs> <Yeah. Sorry laughs> wow. So, so how would how'd you guys feel about that? See, I feel like it was supposed to be a surprise because of like the the force, when they go through the core and it's like, hi, little enemies, Yeah. I'm a, and, I'm a person.
2: And she, you know, and, and uh, Essen is shocked by this sort of, evil presence. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. this overbearing evil presence that suddenly she's she's sessing.
0: Well, yeah. She obviously didn't know it.
1: Oh <laughs> well, Yeah. Right. Well, like her. Well, you know, if I'm like one of the most powerful people ever, then I... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hmm. <laughs> wow. I wasn't expecting it to kill Shafa. I thought Shafa would be there at the end, like defending her from any attacks and stuff like that. Like, I had no idea that he was going to get killed by it. I mean, basically, like, brain-dead by it. Oh, yeah. I didn't think that would happen.
2: I think it makes for a... Um, it makes for that nice mother-daughter uh, sort of conflict resolution at the end, though, if we, yeah. if we get Shaf out of the way.
1: So mm. do other Guardians, when they take the uh, vehicle animal... So they go through the core ostensibly, too, right? Mm-hmm. So, But because they're not partially corrupted, they, like, they like clench. Sure. And they can resist the...
2: They must, right? Because there were thousands of them.
1: Right. So they're like... Don't yeah. listen! Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, or... I mean, because the... I don't know. It kind of said at the end, you know, they have, the, like, this little hive place, and they just go to sleep, and they weren't meant to last forever, but the Earth kind of calls them back during... During seasons. During seasons, because the Earth knows more origins are going to be born, and he, so he still needs the guardians.
1: Well, I think it also implies that the Earth doesn't <coughs> necessarily know what it's doing
0: mm-hmm. at, a,
1: at, like, fine detail levels. Mm-hmm. Like, it talks about, like, it doesn't know how to regard people. They're just, like, these things.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not a, a totally omniscient
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's not a god
2: yeah yeah you know it has just
0: it's just a large being
2: it has great you know great power and great awareness but it yeah like you said you know it it doesn't have all the fine details
1: so what did you think of uh of the way magic worked with so people bury their dead and it's just kind of having father earth slurp them down into the planet core what did you think of uh, magic? It Was weird. Yeah, a little weird. Uh,
2: it was kind of kind of an interesting, uh, I guess, reveal that oh, there's this other force and it's called magic. <laughs> it like, Oh, we well, we've, we've been seeing magic. I thought. Yeah.
0: This yeah. Whole time. <laughs> yeah. What is this? Is something different? Okay. Yeah.
1: I thought it was interesting because I always thought that. I always thought of this as more like science fiction, right? like it's our earth, but in the far future, mm-hmm. and so I always thought like orogeny was like <clears throat> that they had built a technology that controls plate tectonics, and so somehow the origins were linking into a network, and I feel like it still could be kind of that, but the uh but then it just goes to like magic, which in the in the previous book I thought was like. Ah, it's like some sort of nano quantum, you know, you just use like those okay. words and anything it makes sense. But right. now I just feel words. like but this book I think one of the re- revelations is that, okay, and first of all, I will I will say I don't really care much about the distinction between science fiction and fantasy. I think that's a dumb discussion. But um but I did think it was interesting that I was expecting like a world to be the world to be mechanically technological. But then, it, but then it turns out there's actual like literal magic mm-hmm. right. that maybe is beyond the explanation of science. Um, what did you guys think of the magic,
2: uh, Summer? Do you have do you have thoughts on that? <laughs> Does that mean you don't? I'll throw to you.
0: Yeah, I need to, I need to like, ponder. I, did. You have somewhere somewhere in mind that you wanted to continue this discussion? Because I. I mean, I. No? I can
1: see it. I just. Magic. <laughs> I think well, it just me, was just surprising. It's there. That was part book. of the twist too, right? Like, because the way it approaches origins uh, is very mechanical. Like with <clears> the <throat> node stations, and they have a certain radius. And and when when an earthquake rolls through and it doesn't affect an area, Stone Mower tells you how to find it. Like there are very solid principles governing yeah, it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It it. Uh, it's almost like, um, and it, it's almost like orogeny is uh, sort of hard magic, where it has rules and guidelines, and then magic comes in and it's soft yeah, magic. Soft magic, um, you know, and, and it, I guess that is interesting to have both both systems functioning in the same world, where it seemed like oh, you can do anything with orogeny and then magic is introduced as, like, well...
0: Not true. Wait, wait till you see this. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, so I think that's interesting. Hmm.
1: Have you gathered your thoughts?
0: Well,
2: I... I, I uh, oh, she's speechless.
0: I don't really... Um, mm-hmm. I guess I don't read books, even books with magic in them, with the intent being, like, this is hard magic. Well, this is soft magic. I just, I don't think about it. I just read the book, I I guess. I don't. (laughs) Wow. I mean, but now that you, I mean, now that you said that, I can, I can see that. I understand that, you know, the difference between the hard magic and the soft magic. Yeah. But I don't really care. (laughs) Well, you know, we can't all care about the same
1: stuff.
2: (laughs) We can't fault you for that. I just
1: enjoyed it. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) I, I'm just bringing. It, I thought it was part of the twist, right? That like, yeah. I do feel like she builds it up to be like, because like the obelisks are clearly artificial, right. and they and they interacted with origin. like, You know, they kind of tagged along after origin. So I figured that they something technology. But then mm-hmm. at the end, it's just like now there's really magic, and I was like, right. whoa, that's hot dog.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Weow. Yeah, that's great. <laughs>
1: I didn't dislike that at all. I uh, okay, so here's here's a here's a question uh, that maybe for me was a little more negative. What did you guys think of these sil- Silanagist Anagist flashbacks? I, I, they felt <laughs> kind of long lit, yeah, long
2: is a good good word for it.
0: I while I was reading them I had no idea that they were actually in human shape like I thought they were like mildly stone ish looking people Oh. So yeah, I did that too. did not occur to me at all <clears throat> until like at the very like the very last Silanagist chapter where HoA is like oh Kalenli's pregnant <laughs> 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 and I was like huh. <laughs> <laughs> How's that do, you,
1: work? do you think that it would be better to call Kalenli, Oro Eve or Evo Gene?
0: <laughs> We're very punny I mean, tonight. Both are
1: so satisfying. <laughs> how,
0: could, how could you expect us to
1: choose? What did you think about the flashbacks, Brock? I,
2: they, uh, they had sort of a uh, s- uh, hippy dippy kind of. Uh, Commune <laughs> feeling to them a little bit. Yeah, hmm. you know, like hmm. you you imagine that everything is like uh, bright white lighting, and it all looks very clean and sterile. Uh, I guess that's just kind of the way I imagined.
1: Do you do you associate hippies terrible. with sterility? Well,
0: <laughs> like guess, like a <laughs> clinical environment. You know, I, I guess What I'm kind I'm, of opposites. What am I
1: describing? Here? Uh, well, because they they talk about like lots of flowers and. They have like fungal blankies and yeah, because
2: they're all about like I mean life is sacred to them right? Um,
1: sort of. Unless like it's they're meaning it in a different way. So they, uh, yes, they
2: say they say that many times, but like yeah, life is useful to them. Yeah. Whether, whether it's still alive or whether it's being converted into something else.
1: Well, I thought it was interesting that it's true that they're not killing. <clears throat> sure. <right.
2: laughs>
1: Just draining. Yeah.
2: Creepy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just uh repurposing,
1: yeah, they're using it to its full they're using every part of the animal <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> oh my, oh boy,
1: I think there is kind of that feel mm. to it if you're not useful to the society, they're gonna make you useful to the magic
0: yeah, yeah. i <clears throat> I mean i can I guess I can understand why she felt she needed to include this whole other history of this fallen people because it made it cyclical you know here's another group of people that are using the magic people
1: one well, kind of this like right. one abuse begets another yeah
0: and then it's like the exact same thing happened in Essen's world where mm. you know the origins and then there's the node people you know the origins that are put into the nodes and they're just being used for their magic to control the environment Yeah, and it's and it's sad that's awful that they're using people in this way,
1: yeah,
0: but they're I mean it's the whole it's the whole racism angle well yeah, that well and the people who are different are get get used instead of treated as equals
2: yeah, well, and then there's with with those flashbacks there's the sort of the other racism element uh, you know of this past civilization that was conquered and scattered and then ultimately destroyed uh, because they uh, you know because they couldn't uh, handle this civilization being just more talented than them you know, mm-hmm. just, and uh, you know it had to be that there was something uh, wrong with them they weren't human right uh, so that was kind of a, an interesting uh, I guess just Adding another layer of uh, uh, of that metaphor that maybe yeah the the stuff a lot of it did not feel super
1: necessary. Do you think it could have been pared down? I do. Yeah. Or omitted. Which would you prefer? See, I I personally I feel like it could have been down. I, th- I feel like it's still making a great point. I like, cause we've been talking about cycles of abuse, right? And mm-hmm. that's right. That, that Essen breaks her daughter's hand, just the way Shafa broke her hand, that, that this systems like this tend to perpetuate themselves unless you really upset them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, so what do you, what do you guys think? Would you have, was it too much? Um,
0: well, I mean, it almost got to the point where, you know, when I, when there was the big reveal that it was like all these Nias nice people and the other tuners that had been decommissioned were the ones that were powering you know they were dead but they were their magic was being used it kind of I, I didn't relate to them enough to be like you know of course it was awful but to me it was too far removed for me to have the same amount of sure Sorrow and empathy for this people that were, you know, millennia ago. Do you know what I mean? Sure.
1: And maybe maybe there's a difference between like, I'm trying to think of a good parallel. Because it is, it was remote, right? Like Mm -hmm. we've spent three and a half books learning all about the stillness. Two and a half books. Yeah. Sorry. Two and a half books. Uh, By the time we're really learning about Mm Silanagist. And suddenly it's this very alien culture Mm -hmm. and it's dynamics of oppression are just like oppression is always oppression. It's always, it always uses people. It treats them like objects. But like, I I don't know enough. It doesn't show me enough to really, like I I wasn't happy with them.
0: Yeah. It's not like I was like, oh, that sounds like a great place to live. (laughs) It's maybe
1: the difference for me between like hearing about something like the Holocaust, which happens to an industrialized people in a world that's very recognizable to me and hearing yes. about like some Roman genocide mm-hmm. in like, where I'm like, yeah like it was... that's yeah, there's bad. a, re- there's a removal.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, the culture is so like Roman, like Romans marching and <clears throat> kill some tribe and I'm going like, eh, yeah, things were brutal. Right. That, pr- right. that probably wasn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <it's> not... <laughs>
0: Those people don't exist anymore. That's too bad. You know, I yeah, I,
1: and I and I don't want to sound like I'm minimizing suffering because you know it's bad. And it's not like I'm like yeah Romans. It's just it, there is that like like you guys have too been much to removed. Yeah, it's, it is removed. Um, yeah, yeah.
2: So I I think I agree with you that it, it could have been uh, <clears throat> it could have been trimmed a good deal and and kept uh, a lot of the impact of it without. Uh, without the
1: length. Hmm. So here's another question. So so we so Brock teased me about Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so let me tell you about one of my problems with Star Wars. Any chance to talk about Star Wars <laughs> and yeah. why why yeah, I don't jumps on it why I don't get it. Um, <laughs> so Luke and Leia are sisters. Yes, sisters. siblings. I just... <laughs> They're not sisters. No, I was, gonna, I was just going to let him go with it. Just, just give that to me. He, Luke does have a very smooth face. Um, I can't tell. I have face blindness. Um, oh. I think that's not true. But We haven't spent that I much time. in hope that's
0: not true. Together,
1: so. uh, oh boy, I'm doing great. So, so Luke and Leia are siblings.
0: Right.
1: I don't believe it. I don't, I don't think George Lucas had that in his head when he made Star Wars, the first one. No,
0: it's... I don't think he did either. I think it was added.
1: Yeah. It's absurd. No, I think I I, I think
0: I, I really uh, did read that. Yeah,
1: I think it came up because he was like, man, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher look like they want to, like, take right. each other's clothes off at every <laughs> second of the day. Yeah. Like an eyes at each other. And, like, it turns out that Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher don't have the chemistry, so I'm going to... How do I write myself out of this hole? Yeah. So, with all these flashbacks... This, game, this book was an exposition heavy.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Did you feel like N.K. Jemisin was patching back, or do you feel like she wrote the whole trilogy with everything planned out, unlike George Lucas? <laughs> 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 I, my opinion hmm. on that
2: is that uh, from, the, from the beginning, that's the reason that Essence chapters are in second person, mm, because yeah. Hoa is telling the story
0: yeah. to
2: Stone Eater Essence. I, yeah, I think there was very little uh, backpedaling and you know filling in the gaps that, that she did. I I do think she had it probably pretty well outlined from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I, people um, like the lower star reviews talk about that the plot is like too simple or too complex or you know like people don't have a consensus on the plot. But I do feel that you know by the end you have a pretty good understanding of. Shafa, a pretty good understanding of Essen, and a pretty good understanding of Nason. And Hoa is just kind of like, okay, he's really old, and he's this stone guy that used to have magic.
1: (laughs) I feel like I understood steel pretty well. Because I was like, yeah, 40,000 years old, kill me.
0: Yeah, he seemed pretty mad. I'm
1: having a rough time with 32. (laughs)
2: 32, 32,000, yeah.
0: <laughs> but no, I do feel I do feel like their plots were set. I don't yeah. think she was making it up as she she was going. Yeah. She's not Stephen King.
1: That's true. That's how <laughs> it reads. And no, and I agree with you. I I I feel like um, like a lot of the reveals. I was really impressed with looking back and thinking oh yeah that makes sense
0: yeah that they fit right. um, like the evil earth
1: well yeah like with hoa's drowning uh not hoa Shafa's drowning scene
0: mm-hmm.
1: um when this thing that this tendril that seems to come from Entity, below yeah. is speaking to him and at the time i was just like holy balls what is this what is yeah, what's that? going on <laughs> who's who's messing with him <laughs> who's gonna make him kill this whole stupid village <laughs> but but now I'm like, well yeah, you know, it's that jerk planet that you yep. <laughs> It's gotta
2: save this garden you know,
1: 'cause can't live with a, him,
0: can't live without him. It's
1: like
2: it's Father a earth. An appendage of the earth, so it wants to preserve it.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well I mean you can understand when you figure out how old Shafa is where where Nathan is like, Yeah, I'm gonna kill the earth and he's like, Okay. Sounds good to me too. <laughs> right. <Let's do> it.
1: <laughs> One thing I like, I kind of thought that that was, so one thing that we've learned about Nasson is that she has always kind of been a parent pleaser. Mm. And so when she was training with her mother, she worked really hard to be a good, to learn originy and, um, and it kind of messed her up. And then when she was traveling with Jija, she tries really hard to please him. And she does have a moment where finally she's like, I turn you into diamonds. (laughs) But I did think it was interesting that for so long her hanging out with Shaffa, who's old and probably really sick of it, I I did think it was interesting, was was her desire to destroy the planet just because she was sick of everything and all the suffering, or was it because she was, again, kind of people-pleasing to a parent figure, to this really old, probably exhausted, uh, in pain... Probably a little suicidal parent figure that she had adopted. Maybe that's reading into it too much. I don't
0: know.
2: Yeah, I. I think maybe it was. Uh, yeah, I, I. think there's something to that. Uh, that I mean, she's. At the end of the book, is she eleven years old? Something like that. You know, yeah. She's, she's not, awfully young. She's not an adult. She's you know she doesn't have a sort of fully developed sense of self and purpose and you know she's going to cling to an authority figure and especially one that shows himself to be uh, competent and and you know he
0: loving her
2: yeah he cares right. about her safety yeah
1: well i think one of the reasons i think that is cuz in her Jija chapters she talks about how she has to learn very quickly how to be perceptive Mm-hmm. Of her guardian's desires, uh, guardian being her father, um, as a matter of survival. Mm-hmm. Like, h- how does she talk to him in a situation? Well, different situations may mandate very different approaches to him. Right. Because he might kill her. Right. <laughs> right.
0: right.
1: Like that time when he, like, throws her out of the wagon and down some hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she has to learn in order to live she has to learn how to whoever's taking care of her to kind of hear keep them happy
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: i was i was curious <coughs> if it you know it kind of portrays shafa as agreeing with her but i kind of was wondering if it's maybe her agreeing with him but uh, interesting. so you guys hadn't had that thought i w- i didn't know if i was just making that up or if that was
0: well, I don't know that that was necessarily like in his thoughts. I mean, we don't. We only get the one section where where we're in Shafa's thoughts, right? It's yeah. when he gets out of. It's when he becomes undrowned or what it right. Well, and then
1: he goes. Yeah, he goes. To and he village. goes to the village.
0: That's the only section where we have Shafa's thoughts. Well, I mean, thoughts. in the
1: second book, there's multiple books where he's multiple chat. He's one of the POV characters. Is he? Yeah.
0: In the second book.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, okay, you know you're. That's right. That's right. Um, so I do think I we get some sense get of that. his
1: suffering and the depth of his regret and his age. Yeah. But you're right. I don't think I don't we get a kind of insight. Yeah. yeah certainly I don't know that not he's the same ever way like. We do with Nassin and Nassin.
0: Yeah. I was just gonna say I don't think he ever like says or intimates like I just want it all to end. Now does he die
1: or does he? He dies
0: at the end, yeah, just kind of like from
1: The end is is really fast. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Like a ton of stuff happens. I
0: I was a little confused why Hoa was like, I feel bad that they have to take the the Hummel back up to the Antarctics and then travel all the way down to Renanus again. That kind of sucks for them. It's like, Hoa, just take him back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) The Earth's not mad at you anymore. Just kind of zip, take him right back.
1: Yeah, just zip on over.
0: So Yaka can be like, well, they died <laughs> instead of her being like that, right? There were times when
1: I wondered why they didn't just be like, okay, Hoa. Like, okay, so there's the desert chapter where I felt like N.K. Jemison was so tired that she was just like, it was crappy. Right. <laughs> oh, boy, it was rough. They lost 400 people. Yeah, they just like died and starved. Yeah. And they were desiccated. It was awful. Anyway, let's move on. Right. So uh, I, I, why wasn't anyone like... So, Hoa, uh, you can take, like, a conga chain of us.
0: <laughs> Why don't you just... <laughs> yeah. We're
2: going that way. Will you just take us to the end of the desert?
0: Maybe that would have killed more people because more people would have been freaked out about maybe it. More I don't stone,
1: know. Uh, Enemies, stone eaters, would have come to pester them. Yeah, maybe.
0: Well, or just that, like, the shock of going through the earth would f- freak out the stills. Or the people who were, you know...
1: Because I mean, they were
0: still traveling with people that yeah. weren't...
1: Some of them were stills who went, though. Like yeah. Lerna.
0: I know, but he was used to Origins. He liked Origins. He impregnated yeah. an Origins. Seems like a stretch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's an answer, but it's one of those, like, why didn't they take the Eagles to Mount Doom? Mm, Where, like, when right. I hear that question, no, I'm no, like, d- oh, well, d-
2: oh, Dan, don't say I, that. Well, I know oh, the answer. Boy. the emails. Oh, the emails. I know the answer
1: Let's okay. get some, yeah, I, let's get some <laughs> emails,
0: say it Yeah, no, seriously yeah, um, so,
1: Okay, so yeah, uh, we want emails So why didn't they just have the stupid rock eater Take them to Renanus Come on, you
0: five-star reviews and, the thing,
2: <laughs> and also email us about Star Wars Tell us why, why Anakin Skywalker couldn't find Luke Skywalker On his own home planet Maybe tell us that
1: don't, okay, we're going to get way, <laughs> I have a billion problems because I don't Dan doesn't have time
0: me. to read through all those emails. Yeah, <laughs>
1: We'll oh, forward
0: man. those on to you. Yeah,
2: I'll filter those.
1: Don't, don't email me about Star Wars. It exists specifically to play upon your nostalgia and sell you two new toys every time there's a movie. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> People buy porgs. Are you kidding me?
0: What's
1: that? Ridiculous. Those little chickens that Chewbacca couldn't eat because they looked at him sad. Yeah. Huh. Even after he had apparently grabbed one, strangled it, and plucked it.
2: (laughs) Oh, and also he eats people. In Solo, it is revealed that he, they call him like the man eater or something. Wow. I didn't watch that one. Yeah.
0: yeah, You should do your Wookiee call now. now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Very good. So what did we think of Shafa? I like him. So we've talked kind of about Nassim, and
0: (coughs) it's funny how those uh, near-death experiences can really change you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) What were you going to say, Brock? Uh, I just I think, you know, it's
2: we get to see him fight a a lot of battles, and uh, we sort of, you know, we go through a thing where we he is he's the villain, and, and we're afraid of him, and then by the end we're cheering for him and you know, we're, we're rooting for Shafa and yeah I like him I think he, he has a good
1: arc uh,
0: he does have a good arc I like think his character a lot
1: Yeah, I think he's an important character too showing the way that someone who's maybe part of a system of oppression can, adjust, can course correct Yeah. Um, yeah you know, I don't know if there's much to say about that
0: Sha-fa. We like shafa
1: yeah. shafa shafa, sha-fa.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what other questions I have. Um, let's see. So, yeah, Max Ekes, when uh, that dude shows up, I was just going, could we get a sentence <laughs> reminding me who this little person, legless yeah, I,
2: dude I, is? I, I won't mind if, if you tell me I remembered Max Ekes from this time. Yeah, I think
0: he was the grunt who e- N- Essen wh- who was she then?
1: Um, was she Demaya, she Demaya still? Demaya. or uh, Yeah, Demaya. It was uh, as a grit.
0: Maxix yeah. was the one that she thought was the bully and it was actually the runty kid that had befriended her. To, like, get revenge on Max Ekes.
2: Okay. I think...
0: And eh, he well, had both his hands broken. Because he had been, a, like, a little bit of a bully. Like, he'd taken someone's shoes or something. And then the other origine like, took mega revenge. And then she died.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: I think that's who Max is. Like, if it is. had been like, ah! He was the...
1: This is one of the kids who had bullied me. Like, even he was, that. I would have been like, he oh, was, okay
0: he was kind of the bully but not really and then all, and then what happened to him is that both his hands got broken that's how he got in trouble oh, oh. Okay. i like, i think so all right
1: well that's uh, my memory since i know nk Jemison is an avid listener of the state of the Space, <laughs> i would recommend in the future if you go 3 books without telling me who someone is i'm cool with a sentence catch and if you.
2: that person has two names
1: yeah. <laughs> Tell me the names. <laughs> You're right. okay. Um let's...
0: If they've changed their name in the last 40 yeah. years, I'd appreciate an update.
1: Okay. Here's my next question. Did it bug anyone else that stone was heavier than flesh? i uh, no. 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 Yeah, that was driving me nuts. I don't Why? think it did. When 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 like a limb turns into stone, Mhm. Why is it heavier?
0: I don't, know, so are, heavy. Are
2: you suggesting that, that flesh is as dense or more dense than stone? Is it?
1: No, no. So where did that where did the density come from? Oh, I see. I'm talking about conservation of matter. Yeah. The the silver. I mean,
0: it's magic.
1: The so threads s- of silver. So the silver has mass and it, it like pours uh, in and yeah, it brings sure. mass from Okay. The earth. This is not a question I care about, but I, I did wonder it. Every time they're like, "Man, these these statues are heavy," and I was going like, "Well, yeah, they, they should they should they weigh p- like ninety <laughs> to one hundred and fifty pounds, like a person, right? <laughs> like a human. <laughs> like if you can, no, if a, you if you can throw a, a body point. in a ditch, you can throw the statues. <laughs> but they're just like, I'm just gonna live in this house where this guy was banging someone and." <laughs> But now we have this really erotic statue. Yes, wow, this wild statue. We, we can't use this bed.
0: Like, look how realistic it is. <laughs> wow. I, I just assumed that they literally turned into... Like, like they, their, they grew, their flesh they grew heavier was replaced denser. with stone. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Replaced.
1: I think maybe the reason it stood out to me, because I was still at that point thinking about this being a mechanically sound science oh, yeah. world. And so I was just sitting there like, well, her arm shouldn't be heavier. <laughs> it shouldn't it just be like a latticed crystal?
2: <clears throat> yeah. I
1: don't know. Make a good point. Okay. N.K. Jemison, if you're listening, you don't need to worry about that question. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> here's my last one. regard. <laughs> so in the past, we've talked about the metaphor of aura genes. That in the first book, we felt like it re- kind of represented... Uh, an invisible race and that it went on to represent queer people in the second book a little bit. Did the metaphor adapt or evolve or transition in any way for you?
2: I I don't think for me, uh, it changed in this book. I think it, it remained consistent for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't feel like it changed. Mm-hmm. Did
1: you? <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> Only in a sense. We're in agreement. I, I, I think it I think it added the sense that like there's there's many dynamics of oppression, like, you know, here's oppression from sexuality, here's oppression from from power. I, the kind of the conquered people. But that was the psylanagist stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are many ways that people divide themselves. I think one of my favorite lines in the whole book, though, was talking about the sin out, uh, sin <laughs> culture. Close <laughs> enough. Um, and and as conquerors, that there's no one as paranoid as a conqueror, because they're always afraid that the that the, uh, objects that the people who they have oppressed will return to visit upon them the right. same injustices. I loved that line. Um, just thinking about the way that a totally comfortable culture, um, you know, could misidentify the source of the ills in their culture, um, to be basically someone who is totally wiped out, um, that they or they're totally a minority, they're a non threat, and to still blame them for the object of your fear as opposed to like, you know, some other more immediate, present, real threat. I know that was very perceptive. I liked that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is apt and that's how I mean that speaking of the Holocaust earlier, that's how people were othered. They were they were they were made Mm -hmm. the problem. Mm -hmm.
1: When well, thinking about modern <clears> culture, uh, just just what's going on, I think I think in the first world,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you know people, the, maybe the economy isn't as good as it could have been, and there are maybe a lot of sources of, you know, wh- wh- why is that? We could we could discuss all sorts of stuff, but I feel like instead of focusing on, you know, here are the problems faced by modern society, there are certain people who use that as a platform of demagoguery, where they go, ah, be afraid of these brown people. Who really don't do anything to you mm-hmm. they're remote most of you probably haven't had to interact with them the heaven a, for sorry but
2: Barbara, it, it's a it's an easily identifiable target yeah it's it's something something clear you can hang your problems on
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: well those are all the discussion topics i had prepared what is there anything else that you two wanted that stood out to you from uh the stone sky that you wanted to discuss that I callously missed.
2: No, I think I bel- belabored everything that stood out to me
1: <laughs> in my
2: synopsis.
1: Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Summer?
0: That was, I think that was a good discussion. Yeah. Thanks again. So. Oh, thanks. H- thank you. That was wonderful. I
1: came up with those questions all by myself. <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> did fine work. Yeoman's work.
0: All right. <laughs> so our next book choice is... Brock's Choice. Brock's Choice. What it's are we going to read next?
2: I'll tell you what we're going to read. Uh, it's a little book called The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay.
0: Okay. Okay. Sounds good. You're the host. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do we
2: want uh, we have a bit of business. Do we want to bring that uh, before our listeners about our, our roles?
1: Sure. So we've been thinking that we've been switching off between hosting duties, synopsizing duties, and discussion duties um, for man, just as long as I can remember.
0: Oh, it seems <laughs> like years.
1: But we are thinking of solidifying those roles. So if you have an opinion about who should do which role, you should comment or call me on my cell phone <laughs> or email me. That's more likely.
2: Yeah.
0: That would be a little weird uh, if you had Dan's cell phone number. Hmm. It's eight zero. Hey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'll just read it out. Hang on. Uh, no, uh, Space at gmail.com love to hear your thoughts
1: okay say adios Summer
0: bye bye, <laughs> bye. bye. thanks for listening